Would you please welcome Jesus is at Flashpoint, Jim Caviezel. Uh, Jim, I asked you to do this earlier today. Uh, the special thing that um, I, I really want for all of everybody in the tent and those at home because I asked Jim to say the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic because it's the, the language of Jesus. So, Jim. Ozina Otia Boy Kuma Bezrati Shambreni Miresha the Shertam in Nuelai Bakakasaya no Shiadanai Bakakasiti Ka Mutakti Abba Kuletikel and Kahel Kosaye Ede Mini Akin Lakisfar Lehue di Lakisfar Ilatil kum arae mahaki hita hita hivu denali denako kavel diana of heflukum antun hita hivu lukum. My commandment to you is this you love one another as I have loved you, so you love one another. Coming very soon, the resurrection of the Christ. God bless you. God bless you. All right. All right, so stretch your hands out. We're going to pray for these guys before they go. They've got a lot on them, a lot of opposition. In the filmmaking, Father, I ask you just to give them favor. But more than favor, I thank you for open doors like never before. We proclaim the open doors for this film that changes the heart and soul of America. And Father, I thank you for the children, the children that will come to be saved through this and then come to know you through this. So Father, I thank you as we send these gentlemen forth, we do not say goodbye, but we send them forth in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. Amen. Hello. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It's going to maybe seem a little inside baseball to some of the people listening to, but I'm hoping or I'm thinking that regular listeners of Media Roots Radio will find this story pretty fascinating and all the different dots that it connects together. Now, I'll just start by asking the question, since this is how I heard of this story, is... Has anybody been seeing anything that seems like overt QAnon signaling that's sort of being pushed in the right-wing media ecosystem right now? No, I don't mean the hysteria around quote-unquote groomers or the new focus that the right has on bashing gay people and trans people and implying that it's somehow a conspiracy to sexualize children, the entire pride movement is something that you'll hear espoused by a lot of people on the right right now. That's not what I'm referring to. What I'm actually referring to that I've been seeing recently is actor, let's just say former Hollywood actor, this is not really in Hollywood anymore, 
Jim Caviezel, who portrayed Jesus Christ in Mel Gibson's 2004 film, Passion of the Christ, has not just been increasingly kooky over the years, but he has basically gone fully QAnon. Uh, This is nothing new for him. He was espousing QAnon talking points, I think something like three years ago, at an actual QAnon convention. But there's something slightly new happening right now, where for some reason Mel Gibson is tied into this new, I should say quasi-conspiracy theory, about a movie that's also a basically a giant QAnon dog whistle. Or rather, that is marketing itself completely intentionally piggybacking off QAnon energy. The movie is called The Sound of Freedom. Um, if you have no idea what this movie is, I recommend just Googling it really quick. And if you're sort of in the world of parapolitics, conspiracy stuff, or you follow this kind of stuff on social media, you may have seen a viral posting um, that's been circulating for the last couple of months. I, For some reason, I keep seeing it on my Twitter feed. I keep seeing it pop up on YouTube. And this viral posting is basically resurrecting what appears to be an over- 25-year-old interview clip with Mel Gibson where he just pretty much talking complete gobbledygook um, and talking about the evils of Hollywood and through like a evangelical, you know, hardcore Catholic lens. And for some reason, this clip of him talking about this went viral to the extent where it's like, the framing is that Mel Gibson knows what's up. He knows that they're ch- they're sacrificing children, the Hollywood elites, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, this video got resurrected around the same time as a picture of Mel Gibson wearing a hat of an organization called R. Now, R O U R stands for it's an acronym for Operation Underground Railroad. Now, Mel Gibson apparently reached out to this group recently, and just these three, a couple things alone, the this resurrection of this old Mel Gibson interview, him posting a picture of himself wearing a hat of this organization, and also him posting a picture of himself inside of a helicopter wearing the hat of this organization. Those three things alone seem to have catapulted this movie the sound of freedom into a tier that would normally not be available to a movie of this caliber. And I say of this caliber, I mean of a very low caliber. Um, now, there's a lot of backstory and a lot of twists and turns in this strange story. And maybe at first what I'm saying sounds like, you know, what's even the point of Robbie talking about this? This doesn't sound important at all. Well, I think underneath this, there is a really interesting and important story to tell. And it has to do with something that's been a pet peeve of mine for a long time, which is this idea that there are all these warriors and patriots and anons and, you know, all these people in this country who are trying to stop child sex trafficking. Now, of course, in QAnon world and Pizzagate world, 
And even in law enforcement world, we've seen child sex trafficking being completely interchangeable with and conflated with regular prostitution rings that have women working, doing sex work for prostitution rings that are of age. Now, when they do these massive sex trafficking sweeps where law enforcement will announce in some press release what they've done, the overwhelming majority of the time, they are not actually busting any kind of child sex trafficking ring that involve actual child slaves, sex slaves. Now, they bust a lot of child pornography rings. That is something that law enforcement does do often. But that's not, again, that's not the same as child sex trafficking. Um, now, I mean, obviously there's some trafficking type of stuff. There's obviously serious abuse and potentially kidnapping in, in some forms involved with people who manufacture child pornography. But busting a child pornography ring and people who distribute child pornography is not the same as busting a child sex trafficking ring. It's not even in the same wheelhouse. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about this organization, Operation Underground Railroad, that has somehow sucked up almost all of the energy right now in terms of this sort of nebulous, not real crusade that certain people politically have in this country to stop child sex trafficking. The people who you know, conflate things like Epstein with Pizzagate and believe in a large part of what QAnon is essentially saying. This organization is taking an issue that is very real and very serious. There are children sex traffic all around the world and essentially shit-coding it as some kind of self-promotional, self-aggrandizing exercise that, in essence, would damage the cause of stopping child sex trafficking by shit-coding it and by making associations with it that are completely kooky. Now, first, I'm going to play you an interview clip of Mel Gibson that got resurrected, that sort of started this chain of events for me and got me curious about what was going on. Now, if you search in YouTube right now, Mel Gibson interview, at least on my algorithm, almost all of the results are this are variations of this video or what I'm talking about. Now, here, I'm going to play it for you right now. Line of attack. No matter how strong you are, you are going to be affected by this place. Mm. No, I've, it's I've... going to divert you from where you were going. Sure. You're going to be diverted. Mm. When I came over here, I was, oh God, I was in my, my uh, mid-twenties. Right. The first time I really came over here. You know, I had a whole bunch of weird paranoid suspicions about what the hell was going on because there was a lot of stuff I couldn't understand. Right. Um, and nobody was really bothering to explain it to me. They don't. <clears throat> and, it, it, and I formed a bunch of opinions about the town and about the people in it that were like, surely that couldn't be because a whole place can't be like, you know, weird town, you know, where the stranger wanders in and, and all the people are in the bar and they all shut up when he looks at them and, mm -hmm. and they tell you don't go out of the house on the hill. and It's like that. Mm -hmm. 
and then you go away and you think, no, that's, I was wrong. I mean, that's insane thinking. I'm paranoid. I imagined that stuff. That couldn't be the reason for why so-and-so was acting like, could it? Mm. And then you find out later on the track that you are exactly on track mm. with a lot of this stuff. Not specifically on no, track, no. but that you could, uh, that some of your worst nightmares were real at the time. And you think, oh. mm. now this is what I mean by actually starting to swim up or downstream with the rest of the salmon, mm. you know, eventually, if you stay here long enough, yeah. you'll find yourself doing that. Um, and you have to... There's a way of doing it without doing it. Mm. That takes time. Mm. Uh, and it takes relaxation. Mm. Not being uncomfortable about not being uncomfortable realizing it for what it is projecting N understanding what it is once you understand it well then you're not afraid of it anymore mm -hmm. so you can just walk around it and through it and, mm -hmm. and then get on with what you tried to get on with in the first place a place like this can humiliate you mm -hmm. and it can be it can either it can humiliate you it can be humbling I mean it, it does rip your life to pieces does it if you'll let it yeah and it's always pounding at the walls. It's yeah. the, these little guys, these little heathens with no soul downstairs with horns on their head with a battering ram trying to like beat your walls in. Yeah. But that's your own devils, you know? Yeah. I mean, as a matter of interest, do you think it's easier because you're an outsider who came in? I think so. Yeah. Because. I mean, just on a basic level, if you listen to that clip with no context, if you're just randomly perusing YouTube one day, would you take from that that Mel Gibson is referencing or alluding to Hollywood child sex trafficking or child ritualistic murder? No, I don't think anyone reasonable or mentally sound who's listening to that would take that away from what he said. So what's so fascinating is I don't even really know where that comes from. That's a 1998 interview clip. It's been, the full interview has been on YouTube for several years. Um, it wasn't noticed by anybody. It wasn't turned into anything QAnon related until about three or four weeks ago. And that's sort of when it all sort of got kickstarted. But take a listen to a, a, a YouTube channel. If you just search Mel Gibson interview, you get YouTube channels like Dr. Steve Turley, who seems to be a QAnon signaler uh, who makes a video called Hollywood Panics as Mel Gibson exposes them all. Now listen to the way he portrays it. Fascinating. In a 1998 interview, Mel Gibson made a number of cryptic references to a dark and evil side of Hollywood that he personally encountered. When I came over here, I was, oh God, I was in my, my uh, mid-twenties. Right. The first time I really came over here. You know, I had a whole bunch of weird paranoid suspicions about what the hell was going on because there was a lot of stuff I couldn't understand. Right. Um, and nobody was really bothering to explain so it to me. So the music yeah. is obviously helping <clears throat> and make it sound really, it, really sinister. And I formed a bunch of opinions about the town and about the people in it that were like, surely that couldn't be because a whole place can't be like, you know, weird town, you know, where the stranger wanders in and, and all the people are in the bar and they all shut up when he looks at him and, mm -hmm. and 
they tell you don't go into the house on the hill and it's like that mm -hmm. and then you go away and you think no that's i was wrong i mean that's insane thinking i'm paranoid i imagined that stuff that couldn't be the reason for why so and so was acting like could it mm -hmm. and then you find out later on the track that you are exactly on track mm -hmm. with a lot of this stuff not specifically on no. track but that you could uh, that some of your worst nightmares were real at the time and you think mm -hmm. a place like this can humiliate you mm -hmm. and it can be it can either it can humiliate you it can be humbling I mean it, it does rip your life to pieces Is it? if you'll let it yeah. now on one hand you could mostly just interpret that as you know there's secrecy in Hollywood there's secrets maybe some sex stuff going on but what you know, what is he exactly referring to here? Mel Gibson has infamously made homophobic remarks going back to the early 90s. And it's always pounding at the walls. It's yeah. These little guys, these little heathens with no soul downstairs with horns on their head with a battering ram trying to, like, beat your walls in. Now, Gibson, of course, since that interview, has met with, uh, shall we say, some unfortunate circumstances. His reputation was soiled after 2006 drunk driving arrest when he made widely publicized anti-Semitic remarks, which... I mean, then it just goes off into this absolutely, I think, amazing theory that the entire downfall of Mel Gibson being a drunk mess and being basically a psychopath and saying all this shit in public and to his wife on those phone leaked phone calls that make him seem completely off the rails nuts was part of a conspiracy as basically revenge for him exposing this in this 1998 interview. Even though the first openly him getting caught saying anti-Semitic remarks moment happened in 2006 when he was arrested. Now, of course, the Passion of the Christ was regarded as being anti-Semitic by quite a few people, not just overly sensitive people or like Zionists who were trying to like inflate some kind of fake anti-Semitic thing about Mel Gibson. There is enough there that he's signaled in general. I think it's safe to say that he definitely harbors some anti-Semitic beliefs, which is not too uncommon again among people that are part of the Catholic sect that he ascribes to, which I believe at one time was the Society of St. Pius X, which is a more hardcore Catholic sect that does talk about things like bankers and banking cartels. But I guess the reason I'm setting things up this way is because this is like an interesting psychological experiment litmus test. How, quote unquote, conspiracy pilled are you? I guess on a scale from one to 10. And if it's a 10, are you able to not be super influenced and run with the spin surrounding like a clip like this? Because that's part of what's so interesting about this psychologically to me, is that even if you are a 10 on the conspiracy-pilled scale, why then wouldn't you at least try to analyze what he actually might be saying on its face rather than just going along with this idea that he's somehow exposing child sex trafficking in Hollywood. There's a lot of reasons why Mel Gibson would say that it was like weird town. 
first of all, Hollywood is very gay and also very Jewish. There's a lot of Jews in Hollywood. I'm not saying the Jews control Hollywood. I'm just saying that just those two things alone, we already know from many public statements over the years that Mel Gibson might have some anti-Semitism and homophobia in him. Um, what Winona Ryder said a few years ago about him at a party asking if she was an oven dodger and also telling some makeup artist um, that wanted to puff off a cigar that was standing next to him uh, that he was worried he was going to get AIDS from being in proximity to this gay makeup artist. I mean, it sounds like something he would say. I mean, if you've heard his crazy leaked recordings, you could say that, yeah, that sounds like him. You know, maybe he was drunk at a party, but still, it sounds like kind of like something he would say. Well, I remember reading an interview from maybe, I mean, I read it about 10 years ago. I don't know when the interview came out exactly, but I do believe it came out around the same time as like Lethal Weapons 1's post-success. It was sort of coming off of, uh, you know, him sort of really sort of breaking through into American cinema. And, you know, he was already in a few Australian movies, at least Mad Max. I know that he was in that before he broke through in America. But when he did break through, this interview came out in some magazine and it didn't surface on the internet until years later, where for some reason the topic of homosexuality gets brought up. And he definitely sounds extremely homophobic. I don't, do not remember the exact wording that he used to describe what he thought of homosexuals themselves. But I do very vividly remember a very particularly weird part of the interview, which um, you've maybe heard some people say this before as like a rejection of um, homosexual sex or homosexuality among men, where Mel Gibson says something to the effect of that holes for shitting, not for fucking um, and that's for some reason that just that way he described it, uh, really stuck with me over the years. Like I remembered him talking about that way before the anti-Semitic blow up happened in 2006. Okay. So this is just a quick update addendum to what I was just talking about here and very sorry to make you suffer through my, from the best of my recollection, memories of a homophobic Mel Gibson interview where I had to use language like that. Um, genuinely sorry, because after re-listening to it, it's pretty bad. However, uh, the reason I'm doing this addendum is to actually read you the full and accurate quote from the interview I was remembering off the top of my dome. And it's actually probably more grotesque than even what I said. So, so if you're Bothered by this kind of language or subject material, just fast forward um, like 30 seconds or so. But this is actually what he said. So this is him talking to a Spanish newspaper in 1991. So it is. It, so I, at least I got like the time window correctly. This would have been like right when he was exploding or hot in American um, pop culture, I guess. Like right around, right after Lethal Weapon. So... Um, the Spanish newspaper was called El País. Um, the, 
I guess, uh, an American columnist, Liz Smith, uh, reported on what he said. I don't know if she reported on it back then, but basically, and it's com- I don't have the full context for it here, but this is what he said. They take it up the ass. This is only for taking a shit. With this look, who's going to think I'm gay? I don't lend myself to that type of confusion. Do I look like a homosexual? Do I talk like them? Do I move like them? So I wasn't too inaccurate with what I said, but that's the actual literal quote. So back to our regularly scheduled programming. So anyways, the reason this is an interesting psychological experiment is because it's possible Mel Gibson could be talking about gays in Hollywood, could be talking about um, some of the Jews in Hollywood. Who does he mean that, that has horns? What is weird to him about Hollywood? Um, those questions really should be examined more than just assuming that he's talking about child sex trafficking. So that's the jumping off point here is that this video clip for some reason made such a splash at least in the sort of the angle that I look at things like the way I'm looking at politics and political trends and sort of trendy conspiracies or any conspiracy that comes on my radar this much is, you know, maybe I have a slightly narrower focus than other people out there who are trying to just, you know, pay attention to every major event. So I just focused in on this for, you know, at least a couple of weeks um, originally I was like, well, I'll just record this episode, you know, in a few days, you know, from the beginning of researching it to till recording it. But after researching this subject and sort of diving into how this got started, what it sort of leaped to after that, and how it all seems to be part of some larger viral marketing campaign done by this very strange production company, uh, directed by a strange director in and of himself, Spanish director, starring Jim Caviezel in the lead role, and portraying the movie is about this guy named Tim Ballard, who runs Operation Underground Railroad, a guy who used to be in the CIA, uh, worked in Homeland Security, his sort of origin story, he claims, is that he got frustrated with being in the CIA and Homeland Security and them not letting him pursue these child sex trafficking cases that he wanted to shut down these rings and stuff. So that's just the start of this. this that's just the tip of the iceberg of what I'm going to tell you. This is probably going to be a two-part episode because there's a lot of ground to cover. Um, But I guess first, let's, let's go into... Um, Oh, actually, no, I'm going to start with this because this is just funny to me is all these sort of Twitter reactions. Probably one of the strangest ones that I saw was the following. And let me read it to you. So this Twitter account, and I don't know if it's real or not. It says it's the official Twitter for the Republican Party of Tulsa County, Oklahoma's largest county of Republicans. Chair Rhonda Vooley Mont smith um, who's following it? It's not followed by anyone I'm following. Um, it might be a fake account. I don't know if it is or not. It seems legitimate. It was started in 2009. Everything about it seems legitimate, except they don't have very many followers. That's the thing that kind of throws me off. But anyways, 
This Twitter account, Tulsa County GOP, said, I would advise you to go see Sound of Freedom on July 4th, where Mel Gibson exposed child trafficking. Maybe you need to understand what's really going on. You know, and I remember seeing a lot of tweets sort of saying this surrounding that Mel Gibson clip. And I was like, what are they talking about? What movie? What what does Mel Gibson have to do with this? Now, Tulsa County GOP tweeted again, quote tweeting a Michael Flynn tweet, where General Michael Flynn said, Sound of Freedom is going to be explosive, emotional, spiritual, and very revealing. Afterward, we must act. No more excuses. The Tulsa County GOP Twitter account quotes this saying, The Sound of Freedom movie starring Jim Caviezel movie starts July 4th. He will expose child trafficking. Directed by Mel Gibson, Jim Caviezel film starred in the film Passion of the Christ. He will release his newest movie called The Resurrection in the near future. There's a lot to unpack just in that single tweet, and I'm definitely going to cover it, but let me read you some more immediate reactions. Someone by the name of at Jason6 underscore, maybe two underscores, is that two or one? Yeah. At Jason6 double underscore said the following. The submarine thing was a distraction. Well, he meant to say distraction, but he's, okay, I'll start over. The submarine thing was a destruction for you not to focus on what is actually going on. For those who don't know, Mel Gibson has produced a four-segment documentary about a child trafficking ring. So now we have this other narrative going that not only is Mel Gibson directing a movie about child sex trafficking with Jim Caviezel in the starring role, is that now Mel Gibson is producing, or rather has produced, a four-segment documentary about child trafficking ring. Let me go through a few other tweets. Um, someone by the name of at Kevin underscore nice guy tweeted, Jim Caviezel and Mel Gibson's documentary is going to blow the lid off CIA child sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Just like Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell's documentary was going to until they both conveniently died. So for people who are already even just vaguely... Th- familiar with some of the QAnon themes, I hope it's already apparent that this seems to be, it's not, Q Q did come back. Whoever Q was, whoever Q is now, they came back and started posting under their official handle on 8kun. And what they had to say was kind of some weird ancient, ancient aliens nonsense, it seemed like. And this was a, a while ago, I talked about this on a podcast. But very recently, this sort of new parallel to QAnon, but QAnon adjacent and very similar to QAnon narrative started to pop up involving this idea that Mel Gibson was somehow entering the fray to resurrect this fight against child sex trafficking and pedophilia. You read a couple more tweets. I mean, this is just strange. This got no retweets at all. I don't even know who these accounts are, but they're just saying things that I'll just say up front, the, the things that these people are tweeting did not happen. And I'll break down exactly why, what I mean by it did not happen in a second, including this one that did not happen. Mel Gibson meets Carrie Lake for sex trafficking doc discussion. 
The actor is allegedly making a four-part doc series on the $34 billion global sex trafficking market involving countries such as Ukraine. On Tuesday, he met with Carrie Lake to discuss horrific child trafficking at our border. Now, I never saw anything about, I mean, it looks like they're photographed together there, but I never saw anything or was able to find anything in the news about Mel Gibson and Carrie Lake working together. Let's just really quickly Google that. Yeah, this is from March and it surfaced in March. So it's actually a picture that looks like it goes all the way back to Geez, what when did this actually is from? I mean, it's almost it it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Is what I'm saying is this Twitter person who posted this is claiming that they just met and that it had anything to do with some kind of documentary about child sex trafficking that Mel Gibson is producing apparently according to this Twitter user. I'll read one more before I really get started with this wildness. Someone who got about five retweets, not very many, named at MAGA Lydia Free on Twitter, tweeted sneak peek of Mel Gibson's new documentary against child sex trafficking. Now, it's a TikTok video that looks very low quality, like ridiculously low quality, like they didn't know how to compress a video properly or resize it properly. And it in text above it, it says Mel Gibson documentary. Now, the actual documentary that this person is referring to is not a Mel Gibson documentary at all, at all. He had nothing to do with it. He literally had nothing to do with this documentary, apparently. And he definitely did not have anything to do with The Sound of Freedom. So just saying that again, in case anyone did not catch that before, there's absolutely no truth to any of these tweets. Now, there's a kernel of truth somewhere in there that's been completely twisted around that is the story I'm going to tell you about. But let's start, since we've already been sort of stuck on Mel Gibson for this long, the beginning of the podcast, let's move to someone who I think is a more interesting figure because he's more, he seems more on the verge of having like a full psychotic break. And he seemingly has been manic acting for a very, very long time. Perhaps even since the release of The Passion of the Christ back in 2004. Jim Caviezel. I mean, his status as an actor was boosted hugely when he starred as Jesus Christ in The Passion. And he kind of fell out of favor after that. Um, And, you know, maybe looking at it at a passing glance, you might think, well, his association with Mel Gibson um, and his claims from on set of The Passion, where he talked kind of almost like he was having a religious experience playing Jesus and claimed he got struck by lightning uh, during the filming of the passion. Um, he claimed, and he said this uh, fairly recently, actually, this is a quote from the guardian or actually, no, sorry. It's from a 2011 article in the guardian. Um, the guardian says the actor who played Jesus in Mel Gibson's 2004 film says he has been shunned by Hollywood since taking the role, which Again, not definitely not accurate. I mean, sure, maybe some people in Hollywood, some Hollywood liberals just already hated the fact that Mel Gibson was doing like a movie about Jesus Christ. And, you know, because Jim Caviezel was in it, maybe some of them didn't like him either. But shunned in Hollywood? No, I don't think so. Um, because 
in the few years following the passion, Jim Caviezel actually did seem to still have a lot of clout. He wasn't canceled. Uh, him saying the crazy things he did say while filming the passion about feeling like um, he was like, he, he, I don't think he actually used these words, but he sounded like a crazy person who was having Christ-like delusions while playing Jesus Christ. The getting struck by lightning thing, you know, is that, are you trying to say that like God struck you with lightning? It's unclear, but what is clear is that by this time he was, Jim Caviezel was very, very openly religious sounding to the point where he sounded like a missionary or an evangelical trying to preach the gospels of Jesus Christ. But not just like, you know, the gospels of Jesus Christ, like biblical passages, very specific Catholic um, extremism, basically. Constantly talking about the blood of Christ, constantly using crucifix um, imagery and comparisons. But, you know, after he claims he fell out of favor in Hollywood, um, he starred in post-passion roles like Deja Vu uh, by Tony Scott, which was co-starring Denzel Washington. Um, arguably, Jim Caviezel played like the supporting role in that movie, was the villain. And then he started in a bunch of random crap over the years. He tried to do another Bible movie where I think he played John, you know, and he doesn't, he's not wearing those very Jesus-like, um, or he's not wearing a costume or the, let's just say, <laughs> not, not about his costume. The movie itself looks very low budget and janky compared to Passion of the Christ. So on one hand, you might say, well, Robbie, maybe this did hurt his career, you know, to star in a very Catholic movie like this. It's unabashedly, you know, basically a movie made by believers for believers. And again, that probably didn't help his career in the long term in larger Hollywood. But I actually, I would say that in the short term, it actually did really help his career. So I think you could definitely argue that. But See, the way he talked in the press on and off sounded a little nutty, I think. He didn't sound like he was mentally all there. Now, if you look at his press appearances since The Passion of the Christ, which is 20 years ago, he became sort of increasingly unhinged, and the press had already picked up on the fact and noticed the fact that just his vibe, you know, the stories of him on set, during the filming of the Passion, uh, were sort of weird. the The vibe was off. It was weird, and they and some people in the press did mention that. That got brought up. But fast forward about eighteen years later, so about two three years ago, Jim Caviezel claimed that his agents that he had for seventeen years decided to let him go. And why did they let him go? Because he openly espoused QAnon narratives and theories jim uh tim you're playing you're playing the, the role of tim ballard and uh, uh tim is actually continuing to save kids i mean this is you're making a movie about it but this is what he does and he um he, he, uh, exactly. he was supposed to be in the room with me in, uh in right here or in tulsa but he's down there saving children as we speak because they're pulling kids out of the darkest recesses of hell right now and dumbs and all kinds of places. Uh, the adrenochroming of children, the, I mean, 
Look, we're, where we're at right now, uh, hopefully, we need your prayers. This film is, when, when Tim Ballard came down to Bogota and we had about finished two thirds of it, I said, why did you pick me? And he said, well, they actually, they didn't want you. They wanted someone else, but um, uh, I said, well, I gotta tell you, uh, I did this movie, Monte Cristo and The Passion. And about two thirds of the way through, I knew we were onto something that was phenomenal. And I said, I feel that with this film. And he goes, well, actually it was those two films that I saw that is why I had to have you in this, in my film. So, um, sorry. No, Jim, you said, you said a word a minute ago and I, I want to clarify what that word was because you said a word and yeah. I want to make sure that you said adrenochrome. Yeah. And a lot of people here, there's about 4,500 people here. There's yeah. uh, about a half million people streaming online. We're having some cyber attacks that feed's been going on and off. It's, it's a, but you said that word and by yeah. a show of hands, who's heard that word before in this building? Could you please explain to the extent that you want to or not want to what that is? Because some people have never heard that before and we need to discuss that. Uh, essentially, you have adrenaline in your body. I'll just simplify it. And, and when you are scared, you produce adrenaline. Uh, if you're an athlete, you get in the fourth quarter, you have adrenaline that comes out of you. If a child knows he's going to die, uh, his body will uh, secrete this uh, adrenaline. Um, and they have a lot of terms that they use that he takes me through. But um, it's the worst horror I've ever seen is screaming alone, even if I never, ever, ever, ever saw it. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's beyond, and these people that do it, um, there'll be no mercy for them. Um, it's, uh, this is one of the best films I've ever done in my life. Um, the film is on a level of, of Academy Award, um, level. The reason this is so such an old appearance, but yet it seems like he's promoting the film that I'm pretty much going to talk about in this two-part podcast series is because this film was apparently completed in 2021. So it was filmed, finished, and ready to go in 2021. It apparently got purchased by 20th Century Fox. This is the claim made by Jim Caviezel. And that when Disney bought Fox, when they merged, or rather when Disney acquired Fox, that Disney shelved it on purpose. Um, and Jim Caviezel has been going around saying in the last several years uh, that Disney has basically been trying to cover up pedophilia. And why would they do this? Why would they shelve this? Etc. I mean, part of me is in disbelief that 20th Century Fox even purchased the, this at all to begin with. It doesn't really seem plausible to me. But, you know, it kind of helps the narrative that this is being suppressed. And I guess because it's being kind of marginalized and because it's already being distributed in this fringe way, which I'll go into, the filmmakers, the studio behind it, and the lead actor have all decided to dog whistle to QAnon 
and religious extremists as a means to market this movie. Now, Jim Caviezel is the only one going out there and overtly dropping specific talking points about QAnon. All the other people involved in pushing this are winking and nodding to QAnon in a way that's very obvious to me as someone who got obsessed with the subject of QAnon for a bit, uh, but may not be obvious or apparent to the general public who are seeing this marketing campaign. Now, who created this campaign? How did it even get started? I really don't know. But it almost seems like one of those QAnon-style narratives that sort of just got generated out of nowhere. Now, it's possible the studio, the filmmakers, were sort of counting on that to happen, that all they had to do was just sort of plant some seeds here and there, get the involvement of Jim Caviezel, link up with Mel Gibson, take some PR photos, and just setting the stage for that would create sort of a self-running marketing engine that would become QAnon-adjacent or QAnon-centric. Now, the movie The Sound of Freedom is being produced by this interesting studio called Angel Studios. Um, I would recommend just going over to their website to check out what they do. It sounds on its face like it's Christian. If you go to their website, you think, oh, this seems like it's maybe sort of a Christian fundamentalist, um, you know, studio of some kind that produces Christian content. The most famous thing they put out is a miniseries called The Chosen that I guess is trying to get crowdfunding for seven entire seasons of this show. Um, it's already up to season three. It's a extremely long miniseries describing the life of Jesus Christ. It's a studio that does a lot of very successful crowdfunding stuff. Now, if you go to their website, to The Chosen, you see a bunch of merch, um, Interesting piece of merch here specifically. It's a little unusual to see on a, any Christian fundamentalist website. It's a shirt for the chosen that just simply says, my, my rabbi walks on water. Now, the reason why I think that's even relevant uh, at all is because there is a strange and noticeable strain of anti-Semitism in this world I'm about to completely unpack for you. Now, somehow Angel Studios managed to get two fairly big actors for this movie. They got Mia Sorvino, who actually portrays uh, the wife of the real figure, Tim Ballard, who runs Operation Underground Railroad. And what's interesting about her is she is literally not promoting the film at all. Um, it's coming out on July 4th. And if you go to her Twitter feed, it seems like she's not interested in promoting the film. Now, Jim Caviezel seems to be the main person promoting the film. They name drop Mia Sorvino, of course, in a lot of these press appearances because she is one of the only other famous actresses. She's an Oscar-winning actress, so they will drop that fact a lot in their promotions. But what's interesting is Mia Sorvino um, has actually been affiliated with Amnesty International, um, I guess she served as a goodwill ambassador for the United Nations from 2009 to 2012, specifically about combating human trafficking. And at one point, she tried to go to Congress to bring awareness to the idea of human trafficking happening in Darfur. So, you know, on one hand, I could see someone like her 
being shopped this script, her agents getting the script and saying it's, you know, seems like it's in your wheelhouse. It seems like a film trying to bring awareness to ending human trafficking. And I would say that her career does seem like it's been in a slump for a while. And maybe she didn't realize or didn't vet or didn't fully understand that the people who were involved in this movie were not just like far right extremists and fundamentalist Mormons and Catholics, but that they were also overtly dog whistling to QAnon. Maybe she wasn't even aware that Jim Caviezel was already overtly dog whistling to QAnon. It's possible. I really don't know. All I know is that she's awfully quiet about this movie that is about to come out. Now, there is a picture of Mira Sorvino and Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel together during the production of the film. Uh, That's pretty much all I can find about it. Um, I cannot find anything about her promoting the film. If I Google her and Sound of Freedom, all I find for that is a sock puppet Twitter account at Mira Sorvino 18 that was started when the film was completed where all this sock puppet account is doing is posting about Sound of Freedom. I mean, only 28 followers on Twitter. I can't imagine that the studio would have tried to do something like that. But it is strange that the account was created in 2021 when the film had just been completed and wasn't being really marketed yet. So I don't know what that means. Could be completely irrelevant. Uh, But... It is it is interesting that she is not promoting the film at all. Uh, you cannot find anything about her promoting the film directly. And I'm just going to scroll through her Twitter account a little bit more just to make sure I'm not missing anything. All she's talking about is human trafficking on her YouTube channel, but it seems like stuff that's of the more legit variety. Um, you know, stuff about human trafficking that seems to be not from like religious extremist sketchy organizations, but more just seemingly regular above board organizations. I'm scrolling all the way down to June 15th. There's no promotion at all. She promotes Romy and Michelle's high school reunion fandom um, on Twitter. Now, just to make absolutely sure, uh, I'm going to do a, just a Twitter search for her name just to make sure to see you know, maybe she tweeted about it once at some point, but you do have to question why is the most famous person in this movie doing zero promotion from it? It's not like the movie itself has like a negative press campaign. There's very little about it, actually. There's not even any like like Daily Beast or like other articles like mocking it really out yet. As far as I know, I'm the first one covering it in this way. Um it's possible I was thinking maybe the Q Anonymous, Q Anon Anonymous podcast had covered it before. Um, I couldn't find anything. Maybe they have. It seems like something that they would have already covered. I know they covered Jim Caviezel's Q Anon stuff a while back, but I haven't seen anything about this movie specifically. So when I search for the word freedom on her Twitter feed, the only time, the only time she has mentioned the sound of freedom since 2021 on Twitter was on March 7th, 2021. And she's responding to someone who tweets at her saying, 
Mira Sovrino, when is Sound of Freedom being released? Where? I'm excited to see the movie. She doesn't respond directly to them, but somebody responds posting like a link to a website that looks like a weird bootleg movie website that's claiming to have it streaming. Back in 2021. Her only mention of the film on Twitter that I could find is her responding to this tweet saying, Is this a legitimate viewing site? Because to my knowledge, Sound of Freedom has not been released. Although I am anxiously awaiting it. Now that's curious, right? Why why isn't she talking about this anymore? Why isn't she, you know, if she's so concerned about human trafficking, surely she would want to promote this movie about human trafficking, specifically child sex trafficking that she's starring in, right? Well, apparently not. So I would be very interested to find out why. Um, Just out of curiosity, I'm going to tweet at her right now and see if I get a response. Uh, Likely not, but I'm just going to ask her politely why she is not mentioning The Sound of Freedom since March 2021. Now, one thing I learned while researching this movie is that it is mostly trying to get press attention outside of the mainstream media. Um, Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel uh, specifically have seemed to go around mainstream media and not just to like right-wing alt media either, although they've both been on places like the Epic Times and other outlets like that. Primarily, it seems like the marketing campaign has been done in the realm of religious news outlets. Um, and I'm going to name them off as I go, but what's interesting is there some, seems to be a confluence between sort of Mormon extremism and sort of Catholic extremism. Now, this website, the National Catholic Register, has a pretty glowing promotional write-up about Sound of Freedom. Now, Jim Caviezel talks to this outlet and he says, well, it starts by saying Mexican film producer Eduardo Verastugui, who also plays a part in the movie, approached Caviezel with the Sound of Freedom script. They were having a hard time getting actors to engage in this, Caviezel explained. It's a lot easier to make a movie like Schindler's List 50 years after the events, but to actually make it during the time that it is happening, that's when a lot of people get scared and don't want to be part of it. Caviezel pointed to the growing travesty of human trafficking. The United States is the biggest buyer of trafficking pedophilia in the world, and Mexico being the biggest producer of it, with over 300,000 children being taken in the United States under the age of 18, he said. It looks like a good fight to pick. He described the experience of portraying Tim Ballard, that's the real-life guy who runs Operation Underground Railroad, as, quote, a meaningful journey, like The Passion of the Christ. This is the best film I've done since The Passion of the Christ, he said. People have to realize that it could have been a much different journey for me. I was around 14 and called out to God, can you please help me? Help me find my purpose. And he did. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe that I could be this actor. As long as he believes in me, well, I believe in myself. Now, the article goes on to say that Tim Ballard was going to have Caviezel join him on one of these trafficking raids that somehow Tim Ballard is able to do in all these different countries, accompanied by 30 Navy SEALs. And not sure if that means active or retired Navy SEALs, but that's that's pretty sus on its face. 
And the article goes on to say that backlash has been experienced amid their efforts to shine light. Massive backlash, Caviezel reported. But listen, I don't belong to the Church of Happy Jesus. I understand that there are risks that we may all come against. But I don't fear the devil. I fear God. It comes from love. We need to express our faith publicly, boldly. It's an unpopular gospel. Christian bigotry is the most accepted form of bigotry right now in the world. So who's going to step forward? My Lord loved me when he came to me and asked me to be an actor. He loved me so much that I felt like I was his only child. And if I lose my life fighting for something for the only God I know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, I will gladly give my life. Caviezel has a message for predators and others too. God's children are no longer for sale, and we are not afraid, he said. Can we love God's children enough that we don't fear evil any longer? Christians, we cannot fear the cross. We have to protect our children. Let's start today. We are hoping for 2 million people to go see the movie when it comes out on July 4th. And think about what liberty and freedom mean. The 2 million to represent. Now, even though the filmmakers behind this film are not overtly signaling to QAnon, and it's not part of their marketing strategy directly, Jim Caviezel himself wasn't told by the filmmakers or the studio to try to shy away from QAnon or to like try to massage his message on that at all. It seems instead that Jim Caviezel has decided to double down, triple down, and quadruple down in his belief of adrenochrome. Now, when he first mentioned it at that clip that I just played you at this convention called Flashpoint, which is sort of a QAnon-friendly evangelical Christian live stream thing, he was supposed to appear there with Tim Ballard, the guy that he's portraying in this movie, Sound of Freedom. Tim Ballard wasn't there. And Tim Ballard actually inexplicably has not been present with Jim in all of the interviews where Jim has mentioned adrenochrome. Now, I find that interesting because it tells me on some level that the people involved in making this film want to have their cake and eat it too. They want Jim probably to go out there and be his crazy self and talk about QAnon. And they also don't want their film directly tarnished with the reputation that has, which in a way is kind of a smart strategy. I mean, the media is surprisingly not really picking up on this too much, but places like Mediate, a couple other websites noticed he brought up adrenochrome again on Steve Bannon's War Room pandemic. But he also brought it up a few months ago as well. So I'm going to play you both of those clips. First, the clip of him basically saying that he lost his agents because of things like adrenochrome. Or it doesn't say that directly, but it's obvious that's what happened in in a certain regard. And then I'm going to follow that with the clip of him again on War Room Pandemic bringing up adrenochrome. And then I'm going to follow that clip up with apparently a statement that he released online, like a video statement uh, that people have put scary, creepy music under, of course, where he is, again, he's quadrupling down on adrenochrome. So let's take a listen to all these. I, I think of the words that Jesus talks about when people say, when is the end coming? And Jesus looks, why do you ask me for the signs of the times? You look at the clouds and you know it will rain and so it does. Why do you ask me this? 
Can you not see what's going on? Can you not see that we have a self? We don't have a country anymore. By definition, you have to have borders. We don't have a border. Why would you continue to listen to a media that's lying to you every day? You know, a couple of years ago, I, I, I'm on talking about adrenochrome. You can't say that word. You cannot say anything bad on George Soros. Do you know that he know he owns many of these companies like the Daily Beast? Boy, they sure had their fun tearing me apart. I lost my agents 17 years and my other agent of 15 years because they listened to them and there's a big storm coming and they know it. So they have to go and threaten you. I mean, he's not even dog whistling at this point. When you hear all these words in succession, a big storm coming, uh, we're going to round up the Patriots and the Warriors, adrenochrome, and mixed with child sex trafficking. I mean, these are all the checkboxes. In some ways, this probably is him sort of playing coy with his full belief in QAnon, which frankly makes it even more disturbing. I mean, I would say out of all the celebrities, out of all the famous people who have espoused crazy beliefs, this might take the cake. Because this is him two years later after he's saying here that he lost his agent of 17 years. This is the first time he doubles down on it. So I'll just finish out this clip and then play the next one. With everything from Q and on or whatever they want to say. Do you know what Q really means? Means question. That's what one of these people told me. And I said, well, that, that seems like a good thing. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is the guy who played Jesus Christ in one of the most influential modern movies sort of marketed towards Christians and Catholics. This is pretty fucking crazy. Anon, question, right? Anon's... What in the fuck is he saying? Question? I never even heard this gobbledygook interpretation of QAnon. Have you? Let's listen to what he's saying here again. I mean, it, it just almost sounds like he's regurgitating like a chain letter that someone sent around about QAnon, like a Facebook posting or something. It's even more lowbrow than most of the stuff I was researching about QAnon a couple of years ago. Here, I'm going to play this whole thing again, just because it's so wacky. So they have to go and threaten you with everything from Q and on or whatever they want to say. Do you know what Q really means? It means question. That's what one of these people told me. And I said, well, that, that seems like a good thing. Anon, question, right? Anons then go out and research it to see if it's true. Because we've been sped, fed their lies. We've been sped, fed their lies. Wow, I mean that's a that's a real doozy right there. Now we're gonna play the next one. Adrenochrome, uh, uh, ad um, the whole Adrenochrome Empire. That this is a big deal. That's uh, it is under, listed under the NIH. It is uh, is a chemical compound. It's a molecular structure. Is uh, C9H9NO3. It is, uh, it, it's an elite drug that they've used for many years. It's 10 times more potent than um, uh, heroin, and um, it has some mystical qualities as far as making you look younger. Um, there's, I mean, okay, so I should say I actually, <clears throat> I actually don't think the previous clip was from War Room Pandemic, Steve Bannon show. But this clip is. But what's interesting is Steve Bannon is not, 
pushing back really at all on anything he's saying. I mean, I've listened to the full, I think it's 45 minute long segment that he's on Bannon. And then no point does Bannon say, well, what do you, what do you have to say to people at home who, who think that QAnon's a little wackier? You know, you're saying things that sound like QAnon. Instead, Bannon is almost trying to like shift him over to more compatible paradigms with what Steve Bannon pr- like seems to prefer. He says, there, there's that scene in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas that nobody could figure out. No, it's, I saw game. that. And why did why does MS-13 have most advanced guns? You know, I mean that maybe that was a version of Steve Bannon trying to make a joke and kind of trying to move on. Um, but it sounds like Jim Caviezel immediately moves on. But here, let's listen to the rest of it. Oh, why do we sin alone gangs? How old? How come 110,000 people died or disappeared in Mexico City? Where did they go? And they're starting pulling people out of body bags now. You know, how uh, this is just insane with our military, our special forces, and we don't take care of this. You can't just have that demand unless somehow that's organized also. A hundred percent. I believe. OK, so the agents that I've spoken to. All right. Here's here's the, for a barrel of oil. Seventy seven dollars. For a barrel of body parts and uh, what's going to be a adrenochrome, all the plumes that are in the woman's m- mother's wombs, that goes. What in the fuck is going on? I mean, this is a, I, I, I honestly don't know where this stuff is coming from because I, you know, I think I keep up pretty well on QAnon, even the modern variations and ad- adjacent movements to it. But this, you can get a barrel of body parts with mother's wombs that is he saying that they make plumes of adrenochrome? Like they waft, like if you cut out like a uterus, it's just like radiating adrenochrome. I thought that the, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought that the general theory he was espousing before, um, was that they harvest it from children who are about to be like sacrificed because they get so afraid their adrenaline spikes. But, I mean, just 10 times more powerful than heroin, it makes you younger. I mean, this is, it is like blood libel level stuff. And I have to say, again, just for the record, you know, I do think some of the stuff where people are like, oh, anybody who's talking about George Soros is secretly anti-Semitic dog whistling. A lot of that stuff is largely overblown. I, I think that George Soros has been a target of the right for a while because he is one of the, if not the biggest donor to the democratic party. So that makes sense. So I think the amount of focus that gets takes away from this kind of stuff where Jim Caviezel is espousing like a blood libel, very old school conspiracy theory that again, sort of goes back to the anti-Masonic movement and early, not early forms of anti-Semitism, but blood libel type anti-Semitism that was swirling around in the 1800s about how Jews drink the blood of children. Um, again, he's not saying Jews, um, but all these things sort of combined, it is sort of interesting. Let's l- listen a little more. Listen to a plastic barrel, that's 77,000. Now that gets sent into these... Um, Barrel labs, barrel oil, seventy-seven dollars, seventy-seven thousand dollars for a a Ukrainians have Russian bloodline and everything. And then I started looking up that. Then I started looking up this Azov Battalion stuff, the Nazis. 
And then we just find out they're worth financing. I mean, it's wild that, you know, there's, it's like, that is a true issue that we're funding neo-Nazis in Ukraine, but then to have like that issue that is important, it does need to be like brought to light more often, shit coated with all this other crazy, insane stuff. You really have to wonder what's going on here. Is someone, has someone just figured out a design to flood pretty much the entire landscape of alternative media narratives that include a lot of true things with such sewage that by proxy, it just all gets shit coded. Cause that's sure as hell. What seems like happening now, here's Jim doubling down into, or I should say quadrupling down into adrenochrome. Now, I guess this was posted somewhere on social media by himself. It wasn't, put out by the movie studio, Angel Studios, as far as I know, but it looks professionally filmed, which to me is a little odd. It's not the typical, you know, celebrity posting a statement on social media to sort of speak to the press or defend themselves. This is like professionally filmed with looks like a backdrop of some kind of library. Now, the music in the background likely put on there by some wacky QAnoners I couldn't find the original, so I don't actually know where this was originally posted, but listen to what he says in this. This is his um, statement, sort of swinging against the press, sort of retaliating for the way that they mistreated him. I did The Passion of the Christ, and we had, when the movie was over... I love this music. It's so fucking... It's like the blaring, like, horn, siren, like, electronic shit. Um turn themselves in that was how powerful that film is this one has the reverse you watch it you feel god's love and the power in this movie sound of freedom and it makes you unafraid um i was willing to come forward and speak truthfully on things like adrenochrome organ harvesting and was severely reprimanded by much of the media and they claim their fact checkers uh, knew more, but they don't know like you guys know. I put you up against them anytime. And so, but I was a burden that I was no longer burdened with anymore. My career, I would never put in front of the children. And I just ask you to look in your heart to go to the film Sound of Freedom, which is a phenomenal movie, which represents you. And let that be your word against what these liars have done for a long, long time. Your word, which is from God, and to speak the truth to the American people. My prayers are with you. I love you guys. Thank you for all the help that you gave me. Now, in case anyone is still skeptical that there is strange coded anti-Semitism throughout sort of Jim Caviezel's post-passion career, and especially in some of the statements he's been making recently in, in all these media appearances for this movie, Sound of Freedom. Uh, let me play you an interesting clip from the rest of that War Room pandemic special that I that I missed earlier. Who are the central banks? Who is the IMF, the ECB, the private West Central Banks, the biz, 
the Rothschild banks, and then you start going, wow, this is, is this, fascinating. Is this why you're premiering the film here in Washington and you're meeting with people? Do, do you, are you pushing in this to get answers? Do you want investigation? It's a giant octopus. What do, you, what do you want? The octopus head, and I think the octopus head has a lot to do with the children and what that all is. And then when you have, you, you start looking at bloodlines and all of this other stuff, and you look at trafficking, and it's like going to Vegas and somebody's just won a thousand hands in a row in Vegas. Is it possible they're cheating? This is a weird analogy that I am not really able to follow as he's talking. Maybe you guys can decipher it. Seems like he's kind of saying that if I understand correctly, the analogy is trying to make like that there's so many like examples of elites caught molesting children or trafficking children that how is it, you know, this isn't a coincidence, it's a pattern that this is like somehow at the center of it all. What are the odds of this happening? How many coincidences have to occur before the public realizes that that's mathematically impossible, but they continue to change every day? Who are the what is he? What is he talking about? I mean, that's the thing. It's like if you're not plugged into this and you're not a believer, this stuff just sounds like complete gobbledygook. It's like building off of so many different false narratives and narratives that have kernels of truth to them. Like some of these Q and honors will go back to like the Franklin scandal example and be like, well, how could you not think this is happening? If, if you think that the Franklin scandal is legit, it's like, well, no, I don't buy the whole hog of all this other stuff that you're trying to say about Pizzagate and all this stuff, because there was nothing really ever there. Sure. We can talk about the fucking creepy art. John Podesta has all day long and you know him bringing Marina Abramovich to do that stupid spirit cooking performance art piece at his house. But then to say that that's evidence that he's trafficking in children, and that because they talked about hot dogs and things like that in the in the Podesta emails and in the DNC emails, that that's enough to say that. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I think that we've already sort of crossed the Rubicon where. The, people like Jim Caviezel are espousing things that are just so off the reservation that part of me wonders what kind of material he's reading. Like, is he just plugged into like those sort of right wing ecosystem, you know, insular social network communities like Truth Social, like Gitter, like Gab? I mean, we already know Gab is run by a guy who's said openly anti Semitic things. So I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting. I mean, and yeah, if you're if you're a media roots listener who's you know had some libertarian background in your past, or you're you know you're even really strongly anti Federal Reserve, and you still hold a lot on to a lot of those sort of libertarian conspiracy theories, you still have to acknowledge that there was even as going as far back as like Creature from Jekyll Island and all that stuff, um, and the John Bircher Society. There is like a weird strain of anti-Semitism throughout all of it that is somehow not really called out and in sometimes encouraged. I mean, I don't even want to bother to mention his name because he's such a piece of shit and I think he's a vile person, but one of the most popular 9-11 truthers, for example, in the world of libertarianism right now is a guy who is espouse openly anti-Semitic statements, basically openly racist towards black people, 
um, he's posted crazy, like anti-China hawkish stuff from the Epoch times. And that guy is like openly embraced by a large swath of libertarians. Um, so it's not just, you know, that they've been reactionary the whole time and they've just been hiding it or whatever. I think on the anti-Semitism thing, it's sort of been a strain that's been underneath and tolerated for a long time. So I don't really I don't really know what my point is with that. I guess what I'm saying is what's interesting is to hear him just going off on Steve Bannon's show and Steve Bannon has a pretty straight face the whole time. He's not really phased by any of the things he's saying. He tries to steer him a few times towards the idea of, well, this is about organ harvesting. He doesn't like ask him too many details about adrenochrome because I think Bannon is smart enough to know that like he doesn't directly dabble in that kind of rhetoric. That's not his style, even though I've been told um, one of them actually worked uh, at Breitbart for a long time that Bannon had some role to play in the original distribution of the Pizzagate narrative. And specifically, one of the goals in Cassandra Fairbanks writing that spirit cooking article, which, you know, definitely had some satanic panic in the article. And it was about something true from the Podesta emails, but by design, apparently that, that was launched to, and this is what I was told. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say who told me, but it's something that I think has legs to it because it seems very plausible. Is that it was designed to basically scare Catholics within the Hispanic community. There was such a wave of backlash against Trump from within Mexican community, the Hispanic community at large in the U.S., the voting population that apparently Pizzagate was partly designed to scare them so much about Hillary Clinton, some of the more superstitious uh, you know, Catholics in the Hispanic community, to basically believe or start to believe that the Democrats were into black magic. Now, I don't know how much that moved the needle in the election, but that is something that, you know, if it's true, it's a pretty crazy thing to try to pull off but if we're starting to see this seep into all these white you know primarily white evangelical communities catholic evangelical christian and seemingly mormon sort of the QAnon vibes um that would make sense why it would have gone there too especially with an important voting block like the hispanic vote now, remember how I told you that Jim Caviezel was also insinuating that Disney was trying to cover up child sex trafficking by deciding to shelve this movie? Um, there's a funny interchange that I, I couldn't find again in the interview because I recorded like an hour-long clip, so I wasn't able to find it again. But the funny interchange where Bannon's like, so why why was this thing shelved? It was filmed in 2021. Um you know, is it the, about the quality of the thing? Is it the subject matter? Like, what's going on here? Um, it's kind of funny for Bannon to say that because the whole interview is sort of framed around this idea that this is going to be powerful. It's meant to shake up Washington. It's meant to become a movement. And Bannon throws out the suggestion that maybe this thing is not very high quality. <laughs> and Bannon is being a film producer himself and a director of, I think, several documentaries. I don't know if that was a slight against it, 
it almost makes me think Bannon maybe not involved at all in this sort of wing of whatever right wing operations are going on. Um, but just to give you an example of the sort of self perpetuating, weird self generating narratives that are happening around this movie and just around Jim Caviezel and Mel Gibson in general, here's a YouTube uh, account. Um, by the name, well, let's see, what is his actual YouTube name? I don't even know, but it doesn't really matter. He's got something like 100,000 subscribers, though, so it's a pretty big YouTube channel. Although, remember, a couple of years ago, QAnon, as like a conspiracy theory or a general hobby to produce video content surrounding, was basically banned from YouTube and most of social media, which, in my opinion, was not the was not a good way to handle that overtly censoring and purging all that content offline um, so that we can't really study it even just on a historical level uh, to try to examine what it did, what impact it had is really bad. And, you know, the social media companies are just basically trying to cover their asses. And by doing so uh, they basically made, they erased parts of history. Um, but what's fascinating is there's plenty of YouTube channels talking about child sex trafficking, talking about this movie, insinuating things that like adrenochrome is true. So a lot of the QAnon narratives are being discussed on YouTube and all over social media. They just don't actually overtly s signal directly to QAnon. And that's something that was being hinted about you know, even going as far back as two years ago when all this purging started happening, where QAnoners were talking amongst themselves as how to disguise or sort of shroud their messaging in different language, that the patriots will know what you're talking about. Just don't say that you are um, an Anon or that you don't mention the word QAnon, like use other language. Now, I don't remember exactly how they taught their followers to speak, but this seems like a version of that where it's sort of dancing around the concept of QAnon, even though Jim Caviezel's openly talking about it, and just insinuating all this dumb QAnon-y style shit. So listen to this um, YouTube guy commenting on Caviezel and how Caviezel's basically trying to tie into the Disney grooming hysteria type narratives by saying this, claiming that the movie was shelved by Disney to basically cover up child sex trafficking. Even though we know that Disney shelved a lot of shit uh, when they acquired Fox. I mean, they shelved a ton of stuff, like fully made movies. Companies shelve things that they've spent money on. I mean, look at Batwoman or Batgirl. If it was, I can't remember if it was Batgirl or Batwoman. But the movie... Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of like forty, fifty thousand, or million dollars, and Warner Brothers fucking shelved that shit. Not even shelved it, but like literally, like said that we're never going to release this. Um. So this is being released. Uh, and let's listen to what this YouTuber has to say about it. Who are the central banks? Who is the IMF, the ECB, the private West? Sorry, wrong clip. <laughs> Wrong clip. That is not the clip I meant to play. Um, this is the clip. 
Disney just did one of the most disgusting things that I have seen this company do in a very long time. This story is absolutely insane. This is coming from people who are making a very patriotic film that is going to be coming out soon called The Sound of Freedom. I'm sure some of you have heard about it, and it's something that is turning out to be a wild success, and it's going to be driving Disney's Indiana Jones 5 into the ground, and this whole thing is getting completely insane with this whole story, as it looks like it is turning into a complete butt bloodbath with Disney. So let's get into but this whole thing here bath. and see what is going on. So this is coming from Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ film, Jesus. who claims that the upcoming film Sound of Freedom is outselling Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny 3 to 1, insinuates that Disney tried to shut the film down. Of course they did. When you hear why Disney tried to take down this film, it will not be a shock to you at all. It has things to do with doing terrible things to, to kids, to, uh, you know, doing all sorts of horrific things, different acts of just disgusting natures that, of course, we know many elites in Hollywood What is he even talking? Do you so hear this? Almost sounds like a 12-year-old child so just ranting about the, something. The real simple version of this is Tim Ballard, Homeland Security agent, a former CIA, is taking down these big traffickers. So he's talking about what the, the film is about, basically? He finds one of the worst traffickers at our south border, one of the worst he's ever seen, Ernst Lipachinsky. They take him down, and they find this little boy. little boy turns to him and says, will you, five-year-old boy, says, will you save my sister? And it burns in his heart. He doesn't know what to do other than talk to his wife, and he sells everything, and he goes down to find this one little kid. And that sounds like an amazing movie. I cannot wait to see what this film is about. At one point, we lost all our money because Fox got bought out by Disney, so Disney is holding the purse strings here. We lose the film. Eddie goes out and gets us $5 million bucks to save the movie. Wow. You weren't supposed to see this. This is a movie they do not want you to see. Yeah. And that is 110% correct. Of course, this is the movie that Disney does not want you to see. And we're fastly selling out our theaters right now, and we need the people to call to get more theaters. It's like very similar to what happened on The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. We were running out of theaters, and people were calling in and saying, hey, we, we want to buy a whole theater. Essentially, we just picked up 300 theaters yesterday. But we're outselling uh, Indiana Jones right now, three to one. But we're fastly coming up to a wall that we're we're going to run into. Outselling Indiana Jones 5, 3 to 1. That is absolutely insane. So, obviously, it has nothing to do with the money. Disney, of course, isn't really interested in promoting a film like this because it doesn't matter how much money it makes. This is the type of awareness that they do not want us to be focused on. And I think this quote of what he said in that interview uh, sums it up perfectly. You weren't supposed to see this. This is a movie they do not want you to see. And I can't wait to see this film. So, let me know what you think about all of this in the comments below. Are you going to be going to see this film once it comes out hope you guys enjoyed leave a like subscribe and i'll talk to you all in another video very soon i mean disney as a company has done a lot of horrific and disgusting things over the years and i don't mean in terms of trying to instill kids with values that are going to sexualize them or anything like that in fact most of the stuff's been in the opposite direction them trying to cover up things they've done in the past that are, you know, inappropriate for today's standards having to do with racism and things like that. Um, so, I mean, but it's just like to go after them for shelving a movie that is so fringe, it's having to be distributed by like some hardcore Mormon movie studio. I mean, I don't think Disney often dabbles in 
or puts money into like evangelical Christian, Mormon, hardcore Catholic media. That's just not their style. Maybe they have done that. I mean, so it's just such a weird narrative out of nowhere. Let's listen to Jim Caviezel a little more because not only is he a QAnon dog whistler, he's also homophobic and he's also clearly just plugged into all the generic right-wing talking points about critical race theory, about wokeism. Listen to what he has to say here. Best director. We showed this um, movie to um, two Academy Award best director, best film directors. And um, both of them are really kind of brutal, you know, when you go to them, because they're going to tell you the truth what they think of the movie and everything. Um, both of them were absolutely stunned. Um, one of them is my good friend, Mel Gibson. The other one likes to remain anonymous. Um, Mel was weeping. And, uh, and um, in a fair world, this would hands down win Best Picture. Okay, I just wanted to pause for a second and comment on that. So this is, I don't know if Jim Caviezel had permission from Mel Gibson to come out and say that Mel Gibson was weeping after he saw this and that it's like Oscar quality, best picture quality. I mean, what Jim, part of what Jim Caviezel just said there is probably actually really true that like he's taken projects he's been in before to like other directors he's worked with before to like show them and show off. And, you know, they probably have been pretty brutal and been like, this, this is fucking trash. Um, he's claiming that this one though, no, it, it made Mel Gibson weep. Um, which also, I mean, probably speaks to the level of mental illness that Mel Gibson has, but let's continue on with this clip. But like the passion, they won't touch this one. Your name may not appear down here in this world's hall of fame. In fact, you may be so unknown that no one knows your name. The Oscars and the praise of men may never come your way, but don't forget God has rewards that he'll hand out someday. This crowd on earth, they will soon forget when you're not at the top. They'll cheer like mad until you fall, and then their praise will stop, not God. What in the fuck is happening right now? Is, is this even from the Bible? It sounds like some kind of rhyming limerick. I don't even understand what's happening right now. God, he never does forget, and in his hall of fame, by just believing on his son forever, there's your name. I tell you, friend, I wouldn't trade my name, however small. That's written there beyond the stars in that celestial hall. For all the famous names on earth of the glory that they share, I'd rather be an unknown here and have my name up there. You know, when we, um, I remember who I was going to tell you earlier, when the, we were so attacked on the passion, finally when it came out, and this is two years now after it was we started and all of a sudden all the theaters were just people were driving to the theaters and it was like you know cnn didn't make the people stop ms nbc didn't um, and all of the bad propaganda media People listen from their hearts. And uh... I mean, notice again, this weird worldview that only CNN and MSNBC and not like Fox News are 
are the bad media. I mean, it's, it's of course ridiculous. If you're going to go after corporate media, you need to look at it all as basically the same apparatus. And if you're smart, you would look at Fox news as being some form of controlled opposition. But I guess to a lot of these QAnoners, a giant corporate media network owned by Rupert Murdoch, the tabloid king of the UK, is somehow truthful media that's good media. Let's keep going. That started on Ash Wednesday of 2004. They saw a number. This is an R-rated film. An R-rated film. Referring to the passion. Of the passion of yeah, Christ. right. And... We had more on that day. The next day, it was insane. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Now, here's interesting. It's the, that year, four, was the first time the Academy Awards got moved up two months earlier. And not on a Monday, but on a Sunday. So we started on a Wednesday, because it was Ash Wednesday. When it was released, or, and, and, uh, and then those five days come up, on Sunday, this is a comeuppance, man. The Academy Awards, I remember Billy Crystal on stage with his mouth just dropped because they weren't the main attraction. Jesus was. <laughs> he was the main attraction. And they were so upset because here they were celebrating themselves. And even the following year, they celebrated. And the people's choice, the people said the passion. And they chose to just uh, block us out. And, you know, they're doing that. And they become the irrelevant show now. When I was younger, when Braveheart was there, it was like almost probably over 100 million people at that point. Now, it's way below 20 million. I mean, pers person of interest, I believe we at, at the high point, we were like 18 and a half million. Okay, that's the Academy Awards now. Um, so, uh, you are going to make this film last forever. And this is the, I'll take a cultural change. If we were to get rid of trafficking, abortion, just killing children. I mean, let's face it, it's killing children. I mean, they're talking about killing a baby 27 days after it's born. Why? You ever think about that? You think that saves the mother's life for some reason? Excuse me? What? What? Is, okay, so what is he even referring to here? I've heard about late-term abortion. I've heard about all that kind of stuff. I've even heard right-wingers talking about how, you know, they've tried to say that there's some doctors that'll kill the baby at birth, like at the request of the mother or something, like post-birth abortion or something. But is is he really, does he really believe there are hospitals in the United States that as performing abortions, that they would allow like a straight up murder of a of a twenty seven week old child. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's fucking absolutely wild that he's that he's seemingly really believes this stuff. Let's keep going. Reason? How does that save the mother's life? It's absolutely appalling. And we're, we're done with all your pedo laws. We're done with your woke. Okay. Uh, and so there's got to be something from this fire that comes out and, 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 and comes into, 
into this new way of what we're going to do. I mean, I got I got to play back that last part because just the way he pivots from a thing that's completely mythological, that a baby that's 27 weeks old uh, can be killed after birth. I mean, maybe he meant to say 27 weeks in utero, but he doesn't say, he actually says the opposite, but the then he pivots to, we're not into your pedal laws, we're not into your woke, what in the fuck? Talking about killing a baby 27 days after it's born, why? You ever think about that? You think that saves the mother's life for some reason? How does that save the mother's life? It's absolutely appalling. And we're, we're done with all your pedal laws. We're done with your woke. Okay, uh, and so there's got to be something from this fire that comes out and 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 comes into into this new way of what we're going to do. And that concludes part one of our actually now three part series on Jim Caviezel, Tim Ballard. Operation Underground Railroad, the new QAnon-adjacent Mel Gibson exposing the Hollywood pedo elites narrative, and many other subjects to unpack. So please continue listening to this story on part two of this episode. And if you're already a subscriber to Media Roots Radio, you have access to parts two and three of this episode. If you're not a subscriber, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash Media Roots Radio for as little as $5 a month or per episode. Thanks for listening.